De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host, Doug Bell, and today we're going to discuss SaaS spend management and ways to optimize your tech stack. Joining us is Indus Katon, who is the CEO and founder at Qualum, which is an on-deck scale company funded by Sequoia and Nexus. So far this week, Indus and I have talked about slashing SaaS spend, and today we're going to wrap up our conversation by discussing ways to optimize your tech stack. Okay, here's my conversation with Indus, the CEO and founder at Qualum. Indus, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, it was great chatting earlier. You know, great to have this again. Well, I think it's an important topic. I think it's a timely topic. I think there are a lot of folks going through those 2023 budgeting cycles currently looking for those KPIs that kind of help them understand how to reduce costs without hurting the business. Yesterday, we, we wrapped things up with a really interesting set of data, which I want to sort of go back to. And that data spoke to spend per employee. So a way of folks looking and saying, hey, what's my spend relative to others? And you mentioned something that I think we really sort of ignore when we think about different development and product philosophies. In particular, there's this idea of sales-led versus product-led. And in the case of product-led, it is the star, it is the shining star of the RevTech, MarTech, RevOps area right now. It is very much the idea that this is the perfect scenario. But you really nailed something down here, which is that the elasticity of that part of the development philosophy tends to be stronger than the sales-led, right? In other words, we're seeing that over time, people are self-selecting when it comes to SaaS spend. So I want to start there because I feel like that's where the inside outlook when we think about potentially how things are going to affect us as a business. So PLG folks, guess what? It's sort of hard to be a PLG-led organization currently, given these conditions. But what I want to understand right now from your perspective is really between the two, between PLG and sales-led, do you see any other differences in terms of organizations' tendency to over-adopt? In other words, do you see more creep? You talked about this yesterday. You see redundancies and creep more so from PLG or sales-led, or guess what, at the end of the day, it's the same. There's a nuance there. So, you know, if we take a step back, the the way the world got into PLG is, hey, helping the buyers buy products easily, right? I can go do demo myself. I can try the product myself and then maybe get into a subscription of a small five, ten, fifty dollars $50 a month. I think what has happened is we took the PLG motion as granted as a permanent revenue motion. And that is going to cause a little bit of a friction in 2023. Because if we did not spend time looking at our audience and our subscribers, what did they do? How did they use the product? And then we relied on the self-service as, hey, one person and his dog business 
guess what? That's going to have the most amount of churn because when you are making it easy to get in, it is also going to be easier to get out. You know, barring if you're New York Times where you have to call for like three hours to get out. But if you compare this with sales-led and, you know, sales forces like masterful, you know, they, they immediately, the moment they see, oh, you are 50 or 100 employees, somebody's going to do an outreach, they will hard press you into a yearly contract. And that's done to preserve revenues, which makes absolute sense. And this is where the PLD motion's reliance on a perpetual revenue stream gets into trouble when a thing like 2022 happens, when spend is going to be under a hawkish eye, we'll have reduction next year, and PLG will be the first to cut. I'm going to switch things up a bit because I think that in many ways, we're sort of doing the inside out, outside in perspective on these things. And, and we really want to make sure we, we are in a spot where we can really give people lots of help in terms of recognizing when their tech stack is maybe a bit bloated. We talked yesterday and I think did a good job of really teasing out what some of those cost indicators are. You should be spending X and Y. I think what I wouldn't mind doing is taking a step back and just let's talk a bit about where you see the benefit side of things. We're going after the, hey, this is really clearly a place you can cut. But our job also is to make sure we don't cut too far. And we're cutting. Hey, folks, guess what? We're cutting. But in that exercise, we don't want to go through what we went through. Guess what? The whiplash of early 2020. We thought, my gosh, the world is ending. We cut, cut, cut. And then we spent this huge amount of time catching up to that cutting and then overspending the cuts. So you guys have a lot of data. You're seeing a lot of the spending activity. You're seeing the trends that are out there. Are there applications that you would say, yes, hey, if you've got more seats than you should have, no brainer, produce those seats. But are you seeing core and critical applications and categories you'd say, folks, be careful. Don't cut too deep. Absolutely. I think the the easiest one is underused or things that are sitting on your shelf or your proverbial refrigerator, which you and your wife or spouse bought it from the supermarket, never bothered looking at the back of the refrigerator. I think those are the easiest ones. When we go in, we sometimes are shocked. You will not believe something. Oh man, this money could buy every employee an iPhone. You know, that kind of a loss the business are seeing. Give an example. 700 employee company have a Zoom subscription, which is enterprise. And somebody in sales decided, oh, by the way, Zoom is not fit for customer outreach. We have this fancy tool, which does also recording and annotation and screen sharing. They buy it for sales for 50 seats. And then marketing decides, okay, we're going to buy another product. And this is where some of the issues come in, overlapping tools. That's the thing you want to cut absolutely. Look at, make a spreadsheet. And we have one on our site, which is free. Just download or, or make a copy on Google Sheets. Say, these are my tools, organizational audit, infrastructure tools. These are my departmental tools. And then let's see where the overlaps are. And some of it is very obvious. So if you and I say, we know, oh yeah, Zoom is similar to GoToMeeting, is it not? It's similar to Blue Jeans, is it not? You'll see category products overlapping. Bingo, easy to start. Then you go people by people who's using even for the products that are organizational. I'll give you one more example. And you, again, you'll laugh at this. A large company, uh, roughly 2,200 employees, they use an ATS, an applicant tracking system. Roughly 80% or probably 70% employees never logged in onto that ATS. Why? 
if I'm an if I'm a frontline engineer, I don't get to put my notes. I just interview as part of the panel. Somebody else puts the notes in the ADS, and they bought a license count, which is for every employee. Almost every dollar is wasted. That's when you want to look at what's happening. Why we are not using what we bought. And I think those are amazing tips. And I would suggest folks get that spreadsheet out if you haven't already. Right. I also want to make sure we are outlining some of those places that we've seen that boomerang cutting too much, right? And then coming back to it. So are there areas that you feel like are, you, you mentioned before, there are some applications that you guys find, you pull off the shelf and you're realizing they're underutilized, but they still need to be utilized. And I, and I think the, the, the creep we get in RevTech is profound. And one of the ways that RevTech organizations are trying to deal with this, they're talking about optimizing your RevTech stack, connecting your RevTech stack, right? In other words, we're not going to kick anybody off the island. We're just going to make you even more dependent on those applications because we're going to do a better job of integrating them together. You tend to span more. You look at DevOps, you look at other areas. And I feel like we're always missing some application, some area that's underutilized, and it tends to get cut. Are there areas that are sticking out for you? Yeah, the, the things that are expensive, Less used than others, but absolutely necessary. I'll give you a couple of examples, like planning and forecasting tools. In sales, in in revenue, you're going to use the planning tool once every month or once every quarter, like a couple of times in a quarter. You want to be careful there. You don't want to cut that tool. It could be expensive. You probably paid $80,000. You know, two guys in sales ops are using it, but absolutely necessary. So, you know, be very cognizant of this this particular tool and who's using it for what purpose. Even if it's sometimes even the low usage tool have a very high impact. I'm giving one example category, which is you know sales forecasting and planning. So I have to say, I've worked in sub fifty million dollar organizations for a long time in my career, and much of what you're saying to me still rings true, because my rev tech stacks have gotten big and unwieldy, and I think for a lot of the industry. Those rev tech stacks have gotten big and unwieldy, and we went nuts, right? We went crazy post-pandemic. We were trying to catch up. But I have to say, end of the day, I feel like I can manage with a spreadsheet. You can pull it off, right? You know, we're talking about 20 or 30 applications, 200 people in the company. I'm going to go track them down and be like, Bob, Sue, Jane, whatever. Hey, let's have a conversation about this. It's three meetings. Boom, boom, boom. Maybe that's not the sweet spot for what you're encountering. I'm, I'm going to guess you're encountering organizations with hundreds of different SaaS applications you're trying to manage through without really good centralized command and control. And you nailed it with PLG, scope creep. In other words, application creep is super easy as consumers of PLG applications. And we warned about PLG and the dark night coming ahead for those folks. So I'm curious, if you're beyond the scale of a spreadsheet, really how do you tackle things? Where does Qualin help? Yeah, I think the scale of the spreadsheet is, um, and I'll give it like 25 employees is you know, good upper limit for a scale of a spreadsheet. And then you want to automate some pieces of it. Our sweet spot is 100 plus employees, 100 to 500. We normally go after, we got some opportunistic, you know, inbound for larger companies. And the easy way is get your finance person in the room. Hey, Jamie, uh, the controller or the FPNA, can you do a pivot table on our software spend and make sure everybody's present? And Jamie then walks, okay. Asana, raise your hand, who bought Asana? Like 25 people, team, very easy, one hour meeting. And then, oh, I bought it last year. And then, okay, don't punish whosoever raised their hand and you know take a note there. 
and that's the process beyond a 25 people spreadsheet or, or around that time like a like an audit without software in our case we automate this process so start with a manual audit just as a hygiene we connect to the accounting systems to bring this software pivot table automatically and then using APIs of many of the software companies such as Salesforce, HubSpot, Asana, Jira, Figma, Slack, Zoom, we bring the usage and the license count automatically on a singular dashboard. So instead of you asking people to raise their hand, the software raises the hands of people who are using or not using on an analytics table or a dashboard and say, okay, do the API call and tell me who logged into, let's say, Zoom in the last 90 days. Okay, I got the login. Tell me who created the meetings in the last 90 days. Got it. Tell me who recorded meetings in the last 90 days. And very surgically, you have an answer saying, look at the numbers. Out of those 300, 10 people did recording, 100 people did hosting, and of course, everybody logged in because Zoom is a free tool. Anybody can log in to attend a meeting. And that's the nuance that is supposed to be captured in the system or in manual audit process. RevOps, DevOps, finance, listen in. You've got a great tool to help you out. And you could do the same thing for Salesforce. You've done it for multiple customers. I didn't want to call out Salesforce too much. We kind of see how many seats, who's creating opportunities, who's creating meetings, who's creating tasks, who's pumping in notes. And you can see who's active, not active. And we don't do this from a sales intelligence perspective. We do this from not using. This is where you can save money. When the time for renewal comes, and this is Salesforce, you have that data in your back pocket saying, guess what? We did not use the seats enough. We're going to renew at a slightly lower number. Otherwise, it's automatic upsizing based on the contract. So what do you do? You use the number as your bargaining chip to get a lower price in your next year's contract. The buyer's toolkit expands, folks. The power is gonna be with the buyers. I have to say, end of the day, I love it when we see applications that are out there to really help us. Because if you're able to reduce, you're not necessarily reducing in the sense that you're gonna reduce productivity, you're gonna optimize that tech stack. I talked before about how many of the organizations that are members of this community are working really hard to recognize the fact that at the end of the day, they might represent some bloat. They're looking to connect. You're looking to make sure that people have the data so they understand what to connect and what to disconnect. And this is retention. And this is the conflict sometimes people ask me, hey, but you know, all the vendors are going to hate you. They're going to love me because I'm leaving that impression that there's a love that is intact. I'm going to love you a little less, but I'm going to love you forever. Which one do you want? Love never or love you forever? So choose your drug. It sounds like a bad 80s hair rock band song title. I think I think you should write that one down. Hey, thanks for spending so much time with us today. Thanks for spending so much time with us this week. I'm excited for the buyer's toolkit. I'm excited for the journey people are experiencing. For those of you out there that are buying software, you can experience a little bit of pain, but it's one more tool in your toolkit. Great. Uh, thanks for having me. It was great chatting with you. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Indus Katonk, CEO and founder at Qualum, for joining us. If you would like to contact Indus or learn more about him, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at qualum.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, shame on you. Head over to revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter 
apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live in our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The degree Twitter exists in the future. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we'll publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue is going to generate itself. 